Hey, everybody, and welcome to another edition of The Pactum. I'm Mike Grimes here today, of course, with Pat Abendroth. Pat, how's it going? Hey, Mike on the mic. See what I did there? I see, good I hear to it. see That's you. Good. good to be with The Pactum listeners. Glad you're tuning in today. We have a good series we're launching today. Yeah, we're going to do an Owen series. And not, not my son, Owen, but he's going to think it's cool we're talking about Owen because he'll think it's about him. Yes. Yeah, we're going to talk about John Owen. I have a son named John as well, so we have a very confused <laughs> household if we're talking about John. No, we're talking about Owen. Which one of, which one of you are we calling out upon? Uh, we're talking about John Owen. We are talking about the John theologian. Owen. Okay. I'm looking forward to it. I think, what do you think? It'll be two-part, three-part, four-part, five-part. We're not very good at there's, guessing. There's no telling it, but at least probably I would guess three. Usually what happens Maybe. with me is I cut it short. I say, this is what we're going to do, and then I get bored or distracted. This is with like sermons sure, and things yeah. like that. You have to push push the eject button. You get bored during your sermons? I lose patience. Oh, okay. So I know patience is you know part of the fruit of the Spirit, but I'm not entirely sanctified. <laughs> so sometimes patience is short, I guess. I don't know. You tell me. You psychoanalyze me. <laughs> We already did an episode with you laying on the couch telling us all your problems. Psychotherapy, so psychotherapy is what you want to today. give me. It's Ramones. <laughs> I don't know. Them. You know I don't know these. I, it, oh. Every episode. just And before we started recording today, we were listening to The Fine Young Cannibals. Yes. She fun. drives me crazy. And now Mike is singing I, it, and he's never even heard it other than today. I lo- it was super catchy. I'm definitely listening. Kitchy? After- Catchy. Oh, catchy. I I heard you right the first time. (laughs) I heard you right the first time. Well, thank you for listening. We're thankful that we have lots of love and support through the earbuds and airwaves and computer screens and all that kind of stuff. Yeah, we're thankful for all of our listeners. Just a reminder from the outset here, you can always be in touch with us. Uh, We've been collecting some of your emails and questions. Thank you for sending those. You can continue to send those. We'll be doing a Pactum Responsum episode soon, so you can email us at connect at thepactum.org. And if you have any complaints, you can send them to, what's the URL or what's the email for that? It's something uh, at gospelcoalition.org. Yes, yes. info at... Uh, <laughs> <laughs> file all your complaints there. Send them elsewhere, because we're not really that interested, because we do this podcast uh, for those who are interested, I guess. Yeah, yeah, for those who like it, right? That's us, at least. <laughs> Well, let's get to our episode today in our Owen series. We're flowing with Owen. Oh, as we thought of, we thought about calling it that. We need to have marching with Machen. That really worked for it did. multiple reasons, right? But I could not come up with something for Owen. So. We'll just go with the Owen series. But today we're going to be talking about John Owen, introducing you to John Owen. If you don't know John Owen, maybe this is your first exposure to him. You're like, who are they talking about? When was your first uh, introduction to John Owen, Pat? My first introduction to John Owen was during seminary when everyone was talking about the hot topic, the hot topic of all mm. topics at Master Seminary in like 1993-ish, 94, mm. the extent of the atonement. Yes. Did Christ die to make everyone savable or did Christ die effectually yes. uh, to secure the salvation of the elect? And so it was back and forth. Some professors believed one thing, other professors believed another thing. So you have to figure that out as a student. It's like every other conversation. 
conversation. Sure, yeah. And add to the drama when the president, John MacArthur, preaches universal atonement when he's in the book of Titus. Mm-hmm. Uh, I was sitting right there. And then before you know it, uh, on a different week when he's in Second Corinthians, it's particular redemption. Wild. So which which one is it? You know, when you're not following a confession, uh, are the professors going to get on board with right. the old John or the new John or what's it going to be? <laughs> so lots of drink water fountain uh, conversation among the students. I don't know about the faculty. Sure, yeah. So that's my first inter. How do we? How, how did, did I get there? Yeah, John Owen was no part of that. How okay, did you get right. introduced to oh, John Owen? Because from there? Yeah. everyone talked about on both sides. Uh, the students talked about the death of death. Mm. John Owen. It's in front of me. The death of death in the death of Christ by John Owen. Yeah. And it's a, I want to say it's a great book. It's terrible. It's so hard to read. Is it? Uh, but, I've never read it. Okay. The content is good, okay. but it's hard. And I am told by Owen experts because I don't pretend to be one even on a podcast. Yeah. But I'm told it because he thought in Latin. He was such a scholar. Uh, what? So his English comes across and it's more of kind of a Latin, I don't know if it's cadence or what it is. That's why sure. I barely think in English. That's incredible. Uh, right? Wow. So there is this book and I have it in my hot little hand because I knew about the book. I'd read portions of the book, which is no easy task. But then one day we were at our local bookstore there in Pasadena and we would go to this bookstore all the time, pre-internet, pre-Amazon, pre-Barnes and Noble online. We're so old. Right? <laughs> I think my brother Mike used to go every day. Wow. Uh-huh. So we used to go like once a week. So we're at Archives Bookstore, and we've got our list of books we're looking for. And we thought we hit the mother load because they had all of these new books. And th- what they had in common is they were all books that were reformed. Mm. And so I found The Death of Death, among other things. Um, hey, do you have a hard copy of Lorraine Bettner's Reformed Doctrine and Predestination? I sure do. They had one of those there. That's street credit right there. Right, right. Yeah. Because at that particular time, at least, it was out of print entirely. Mm. And then it came back in paperback. But I can remember finding a hard co- hardback oh, yeah. copy That's thinking, what in the world? Oh, yeah. So, but I have a copy here of The Death of Death. And the commonality of all of these good books that we we uh-huh. slooped up, we slooped up at the archives, <laughs> at archives, they all had stamped inside of them multiple stamps. Have we talked about this on a different no, episode? No. Okay. So stamped inside, I have it open here. It says Calvary Chapel Bible School, Twin Peaks, California, and then so it was part of the Calvary Chapel movement. Think Chuck Smith, sure, uh, Jesus movement out of the seventies. Yeah. Well, Calvary Chapel had apparently at the time, the rumor was so many people involved leaving the Calvary Chapels and becoming Calvinists uh, that it came from on high from the powers that be. I don't know if it was Chuck or who it was. Take out all the reform books. They had to get rid of all of it. Uh huh. Book banning. So Book banning. I love it that it says Calvary Chapel Bible School, Twin Peaks, California. It gives a P.O. box. And then cr- across the top, I'm showing it to you. Yeah. Withdrawn. Withdrawn. It says it right uh-huh. there. <laughs> Front, and they did it in the back of the book too. Withdrawn. Withdrawn. So, uh, I love it that they were banning books, and uh, I have the fruit of the banned books. So, Death of Death is hard That's to wild. read. I have read it before. Um, it's not easy going, but it's John Owen. That's my first introduction. Uh, how about you? First introdu- introduction to John Owen? I have no story like that. That's for sure. Uh, my first introduction to John Owen would have been when I was on staff at a church and I came across 
one of his books. I'm trying to remember which one exactly it was. I think it was probably Mortification of Sin. It wasn't a music book? No, it wasn't. Oh, I'm, However, get, I'm getting ahead. We can I'm get to that ahead, later. Right? We can get to that later. It wasn't a jousting book no. or a javelin, javelin book? Javelin, javelin, yeah. Book, well, yeah. Oh, sorry, I'm getting ahead. <laughs> but I think it was just running across that book. Uh, because you know what's interesting? I definitely was not reformed at all until I was actually on staff at a church. And I was reformed while Ooh, there. It was, okay. yeah. Because of John Owen or not? Uh, no, the first book okay. that uh, rocked my world was Attributes of God by Pink. And that was the start of all of it. Okay. So, but yeah. the, the beginning of the end. The I think A.W. Yeah. A- Pink is a little bit easier to read than John Owen. For so. sure. For I, sure. I was hoping you weren't going to say your first introduction to John Owen. I was hoping you weren't going to say that it was the book I put on your desk on Sunday morning. No, no. That wasn't my first introduction. <laughs> I kid. You got to kid the music guy. <laughs> Well, on today's episode, we want to introduce you, our listeners, to John Owen. If you don't know who John Owen is, we want to kind of run through a list of maybe a top 10, if you will, of things we like about John Owen. Things we like about John Owen that might help you say, oh, I might like some of those things or not like some of them. Yeah. Yeah. Number one, uh, John Owen is possibly England's greatest theologian. Ooh. Possibly their greatest greatest. theologian. Yeah. Uh So he was in the 17th century, 1660. To 1683, and I think we—I think you have to say possibly because there would be some debate about who the greatest theologian would be of the era coming out of England, right? But certainly, he's—he's he's one of them, if not the one that we would want to go to. Yep. But with that in mind, uh, when you look at what he wrote, uh, and you see the 16 volumes on the shelf, and I think his Hebrews commentary is like seven volumes. It's massive. Mm-hmm. Uh, and just to see all the all of the different topics, uh, it's it's quite amazing what he's written. And to consider the fact uh, that not only was he a great theologian then, he's a great theologian who's lasted and who we still turn to uh, as tried and true and insightful regarding things that we want to learn about today. You could also think about Owen politically. He was uh, a chaplain for Cromwell yep. uh, at one point in time, at least for a season. I heard that that Owen would have been they would have people would have viewed him very suspiciously, like he, maybe he had like guns in the attic, oh serious kind of thing, kind of uh, mm. uh huh. Government not so keep, sure about keep, him. keeping an eye on him. Very interesting. Yep. Book sales, I do know at one point in time, as they've kept record of these things, were ebbed and flowed, and some of the real lean times, some historians say, were because people were afraid to buy John Owen's writings hmm. because they figured the governing authorities were watching them. That's interesting. And Owen was aligned with the wrong side Ooh, because he was formerly aligned with Cromwell. Yeah, so, that's interesting. I yeah. thought it was, but so great theologian. There's no question about the fact that he's a great theologian. Yeah, absolutely. He was a nonconformist, so he's, uh, he's on the losing side of things, right. but nevertheless... Very, very significant. Yeah, which some writers have said maybe that's why he's not that well-known or that popular of that time, because he was on the losing side. Maybe True. if he'd been on True. the winning side, it would have gone better. And that brings us to our second thing that we like about John Owen. Right. You said some writers. Yes. Well, I didn't want to jump ahead. I'm, I'm thankful that we're following a script here. Yeah. So another thing I really like about Owen, and this may sound really strange, because it is really strange because we're strange on the pactum, and... The second reason is because Carl Truman has written a book about him, and I like Carl Truman books. <laughs> so if Carl Truman has written a book about the person, I'm probably going to read fan. it, right? Yeah. Even right. if even if what Carl says is critical and doesn't like him, but I like Truman's stuff. I like Truman because he's a comes across as a grumpy uh, guy from the UK who makes fun <laughs> of everyone, including himself. Right. Yep. And 
that kind of resonates with me. So I like things he's written. He wrote a Luther biography that I thought was helpful, fascinating. The thing that I can remember as far as sticking out regarding that book that I really appreciated is the fact that Truman says, don't make Luther out to be an evangelical because he's not. Mm. And why do you need to make someone just like you in order to like them? Sure, yeah. It, it would be better to not be revisionist in your history. Let's just let Luther be a Lutheran yep. and to say, wow, isn't it amazing? He was smart about a lot of things and we can appreciate that and we don't need to make him just like us. Right. Yeah. So the book is John Owen reformed Catholic Renaissance man. Oh, that's a mouthful. Carl Truman. Okay. Yes. Carl R. Truman. Yes. Carl R. Truman. Excuse uh-huh. me. Yes. And we're, we're not necessarily saying you should go buy this book because well, it is expensive. <laughs> it's really pricey. It's a- it's like fifty Amer- American dollars. Yeah, it's so, fifty American dollars, and it's what is it? Um, one hundred and hundred and thirty pages, maybe. Yeah, yeah. So, yeah. but we're going to try to help you not have to buy it, right? Yeah. So we don't want to get sued over this or anything. It's a fine book. Yes, it it's is. a it's a handsome book. It's a handsome book. I like that. Yeah, I even heard Carl say one time he described John Owen as a dandy. So <laughs> it's a dandy. <laughs> It's a dandy book. It's a dandy. But again, if you didn't catch that, John Owen reformed Catholic Renaissance man. Yes. So it's it really is a great book. I love the book. It's why we're talking about it. It's accessible. It covers some important theological matters. It's just for $50, you might want to pick up Crawford Gribben's book or a, an easier book to read because that's the other thing. I just remembered this book is, even though it's short, it's not that easy to read. Sure. Yeah, it's a little tough. Yep. But it's a great book if you've got a good book budget yep. and you're a strong reader, yeah. uh, we, we would commend it. But otherwise, you might want to start somewhere else. Plus, we're going to give you what you need to know. Yeah. Cliff Notes Here with the Pactum. Here on the Pactum. Cliff yeah. Notes on the Pactum. So you've got the book title, which we'll get into more in just a little bit. So one thing I like about Carl Truman's books, even if they're biographies, is he tries to be honest with who the people are. It's not hagiography, which is making these people holy, perfect, uh, everything they did was right. And sure. also, he doesn't try to make them just like us. Yeah. Owen probably isn't just like us. In fact, I know he's not. Mm. Uh, in fact, he's probably not just like anybody who's living now, given his political context, where he was, what he was facing. So this is different than from what other people write at times. Not too long ago, there was a best-selling book, an award-winning book on Dietrich Dietrich Bonhoeffer. (laughs) (laughs) And everybody gobbled it up. And the author, I think it was Eric Metaxas, is that how you say his name? I think so. So he makes him out to be this evangelical Christian. Yeah. And Bonhoeffer was not. He 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 was He was very left theologically probably would deny basic things you have to believe to be a Christian. Sure, yeah. So it doesn't mean we have to hate on Bonhoeffer. We can say, wow, isn't it amazing this person was brave and God even used him as a brave person to do good things. Right. But let's not have um, bad ethics and do revisionist history and say he understood justification exactly like the Apostle Paul right, right. or something really silly like yeah, that. So yeah. Tr- Truman is enough of an of an ornery fellow. <laughs> To be able to say, this is who he was, the best I can understand, like it or don't like it, this is just kind of how it goes. Right, yep. So there is that. I'm thankful for it. Yeah. Well, let's talk a little bit. Let's keep moving on our list of our top 10. And we mentioned the title of Truman's book is John Owen, Reformed Catholic Renaissance Man. Maybe our next two, we can even just look at what the title is getting at. It's a, a... Reformed Catholic. Reformed Catholic. I think that's 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 a, con- a third that's reason a, to like Owen. That's a contradiction in terms. Isn't but it? let's talk a little bit about that. 
Well, he is definitely he definitely would align with being reformed as far as what we would consider reformed theology, yeah. whether it would be the solas that right. we would refer to from the Protestant Reformation. So there is that. He's going to stand firm on the sufficiency of Scripture. He's going to stand firm on justification by grace alone, through faith alone, and the finished work of Christ alone, on those kinds of things. He's def- he definitely would side with the Protestant Reformation, yeah. and he definitely would not side with Roman Catholicism. Right. And he has very strong things to say by way of critique, very strong things yeah, to say yeah. by way of critique of Roman Catholics. So as you're listening, you may be a little bit baffled. Not that we have very many baffled people who mm. listen to the Pactum. Hardly any. Hardly any. But when it when the book title says John Owen, Reformed Catholic, comma, Renaissance man, Reformed Catholic, that, mm-hmm. that sounds very Truman-esque. Sure, he, yeah. He's trying to get us to, to think twice about what he's saying. Yeah. Mike, what do you think he's getting at when he's getting at the fact that John Owen is Catholic? Catholic. Well, I would... Not, Definitely. Ca- not Catholic, Catholic, but Catholic. Catholic, yes. I'm not going for Roman Catholic, uh, but we're thinking lowercase c, Catholic, universal church, the church at large. Um, now, Owen's not going to be afraid of guys like Thomas Aquinas, Augustine. Ooh, uh, he's in the news lately. He's in the Twitter news. Yes, absolutely. Uh-huh. Uh, but we're thinking Catholic, lowercase c. Universal. Universal yep. church. Absolutely. Yeah. Absolutely. So that, that helps us, and we see it in his writings without any question. Yes. He's depending upon the categories that have been used before by Christians. Right, right. Uh, even from people like Aquinas and Augustine. Yep. So there, I, we'll get into this more when we get into a different episode when we cover the Trinity and Christology. So we're going there, but I think there is a lesson to be learned there from this stalwart of a Protestant Reformed guy, yeah. uh, especially given some of the kind of crazy doodle debates that are going on right now, yeah. the rather sophomoric yeah. debates that are actually important, uh, that want to throw away all of this and kind of be a biblicist, that definitely would not have been John Owen. Right. Categories matter. The history of the categories matter. He's not afraid to say and and act in such a way to not pretend like he's the first Christian. Sure, yeah, 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 yeah. Let's Let's, keep moving on our top 10 list, and maybe a little bit on the lighter side with these next couple here, but Owen is a Renaissance man, thinking back to the title of this Truman book, a Reformed Catholic Renaissance man. What What are we getting here with the Renaissance man? I have to confess, I looked it up when I was going to teach a class one time. Oh, and, really? uh, Renaissance. You have many talents. You have diverse knowledge. And the example that I found in the wiki verse, I'm not sure who said it. I didn't take a, I didn't say, I didn't make a note of where I found it. But the person talked about Da Vinci because he was a painter, a sculptor, a humanist, a scientist, an architect, hmm. a philosopher, an engineer, et cetera. Yes. So to be a Renaissance man is to be diverse, um, to have a lot of different learning. Yep. And, and so Owen was that for sure. <laughs> Owen was that. And, yeah. and Mike is dying I to tell so you. I am so excited. John Owen was a flautist. I just like I, to hear that word. It's, that, it it kind of sounds like it does. It kind of doesn't sound very good. Mike, what is a flautist? A flautist is someone who plays the flute. Okay. Can, yes. you, can you play the flute? I cannot. You know, as I, we were thinking about this for this episode, I thought, <laughs> by golly, the two instruments I have never learned to play are the clarinet and the flute. Oh. And, well, I guess some others, two stringed instruments. But, but you, Okay. Fair yeah. enough. Okay. I mean, but a flautist, that <laughs> that is something right there. I mean... So he he's a Renaissance man in his education, not not just because he was a flautist, yes. not just because he did sports, long jumper, javelin, javelin thrower, thrower right. that kind of stuff, but also, uh, and Truman definitely means this, he was a Renaissance man in those senses that make us kind of giggle. Sure, yeah. 
I've never used the word giggle that's, in my life, that's but I just did. <laughs> but because of his education. Yes. So yeah. when, when we, when people look at his library and see all of the things that he was reading and the benefits of drinking warm beer instead of cold beer, typical oh, Brit, gross. typical Brit, right? Gross. But I mean, books like that from his library. Yeah. Yeah. Tell us that he was, uh, had a diverse education, yeah. well-rounded, a renaissance man. Let's go to number five. We're doing 10 of these and we better speed things up because yeah. we don't want to lose you. Yes, Pack and keep verse. So I also like this book, or I like John Owen because he was a dandy. <laughs> <laughs> He was a dandy. He was a fashionable. fashionable. I don't want to say a fashionista, but he had a reputation for things like tall Italian boots. I can't even imagine. He had a reputation for things like his (laughs) Italian, imported Italian boots. How about that? I I don't know if they were this kind or not, but I've just pictured these super kind of tall, maybe up to the kneecap or over the kneecap. Oh, yeah. Right? Yeah. I don't know if that's what it was, but wow, that's what I have in mind. Yeah. And and it wasn't like everyone was wearing these. Okay. So (laughs) trendsetter. He was a trendsetter. Not only that, but he when people would want to make fun of him or kind of dog him, uh, they would say that he had enough powder in his hair to fire, you know, multiple cannons. Wow. <laughs> so, and, and remember, I think it's fascinating. He, he's, he's known as a Puritan. Huh. Yeah. So that is, yeah. it is a good correct, a good corrective. We think a Puritan would never be like that. And here John Owen is, you know, Puritan among Puritans. Mm. Well, first of all, it's wrong to think of all Puritans as the same because even their theology was different. But here we're talking about, you know, this guy liked his fashion. He liked to be stand out. He liked to look decent, if right. not push the envelope a Is this little where bit. the Avondroth brothers get their fashion sense? Well, <laughs> I think we have talked about blouses before yes, on yeah. episodes. <laughs> I just think John Owen, yeah, right? Yeah, it's, you know, it, hey, there you go. We're just wannabes, I'm sure. <laughs> but I, I like learning things like this about yeah, somebody because it, is, yep, yep. it makes them interesting. It does, very interesting. Let's do number six, Michael. Number six, Owen was a friend of John Bunyan. Ooh, nothing like rubbing shoulders with Baptists. Yes, yeah. I think maybe we mentioned it on the Pactum on a different occasion. They're buried in the same cemetery. Mm -hmm. So they're both there and both nonconformists, but one is going to be a Congregationalist who would be John Owen. Right. uh, And then John Bunyan, famous for writing. Pilgrim's Progress. Yep. Yep. Yes. So I don't really know if it's true or not, but I heard that maybe Owen was uh, instrumental in helping that book get published. Mm. So I don't know if that happened or not, but heard that it did. That it happened. They were buddies. That's cool. Yeah. Pals. Who is he not chums. friends with? Who is he not friends with? Number seven. Oh, we are on number seven. Spicy. Another, he was not a friend of Richard Baxter. Boom. Yeah, we we need a boo section sometimes here on the Pactum because I don't know if it's daddy wounds or what it is, but we don't like Richard Baxter. Right. Yeah. We don't we don't think he's the reform pastor. No. We think he's the anti-reform pastor. This is true. Uh-huh. I have also read before that Owen at the end of his life felt saddened because uh, for all intents and purposes, at least one point of sadness was that, that he'd kind of lost the battle hmm. because Baxter was so much more popular. So he's more popular than him. Yeah. Yeah. Than Owen. But I actually think as it turns out, it's not true, hmm. but Richard Baxter was trying to uh, bridge the gap between Protestantism and Catholicism. So he ends up being weak on imputation, weak on justification, justification via faithfulness instead of faith alone and Christ alone, that sort of thing. They, they, they really had it out. Yeah. And I guess I'm kind of thankful that they really had it out, yeah, even important. with high Italian boots right. and powder in your hair. 
And since listening ears want to hear, just so you know, this is a preview. We will get into some of those details. Right. In fact, we're going to do a whole episode on justification where we will deal with the likes of Richard Baxter. Right. Yeah. So this episode not meant to cover those issues in detail, but we will get to those in the next coming episodes in our Owen series. We are just wetting your appetites. Appetites. Yes. That leads us to number eight, another on our top 10 list of reasons why we like John Owen, and that's because he was controversial. Yes. And we like like a little controversy. As long as people don't say bad things about us, we like to say bad things about it. No, we don't. We're nice. We're nice. But Owen was controversial. Without any question, he was, and he was not afraid to be bold. Uh, Maybe he was, but Amidst fear or whatever I mean, it was, it. and to take his licks if need be, he was bold, he had strong convictions, and that meant he was controversial. But yeah. it was hopefully over important matters, right? Uh, matters like justification, matters like the, the triune God. He would fight against those who assaulted or undermined or tried to teach as Christian other doctrines. Mm-hmm. He was controversial politically. Um, but we're not going to emphasize that so much right? because we don't talk about politics on the Pactum. No, we don't. Actually, we're going to because we're going to do an episode on Christians and politics because so many people are asking us about it. Yes. But that will have to come a different time, and we probably won't be using Owen as our model. No, he won't be the model for that episode. (laughs) So if you tune into the Pactum just because of controversy and you like controversy— you're welcome. Yeah. We're going to get to it. He's okay. going to call out the Socinians. He's going to call out the Roman Catholics, the Roman Catholics and yep. the Baxterian mm-hmm. Neonomians and yeah. all kinds of other isms. All of them. Yeah. So we're, get, we're getting there. And these controversies actually help us. They've helped me. They've helped all of us in some ways understand what is actually true. Right. Yeah. So we're getting to those kind of things. Yeah. He was all about defending the faith once for all delivered to the saints. All right. Awesome. Let's go to number nine, a ninth reason why we like John Owen, and that's because... Owen was acquainted with hardship. I don't think I want to talk about that. Yeah. I think I would rather say and believe that if you're godly, um, only good things will happen Only good to things you. happen. Yeah. But we know that it's not true. Yeah. So he had a, he had a difficult life. He was married twice. Uh, his first wife, uh, he had 11 children with her, and only one of them actually survived to adulthood. So he outlived at least 10 of his children. Uh, that's, so, that's fascinating. Yeah. Yeah. Definitely a difficult life, hardship in his life. Huh. Well, yeah, that, that's good. It's good for me to hear. Not that I, I'm thankful for hardship in his life, but sometimes I think when something... Big happens in my life, I just need to shut down and maybe do nothing. Um, uh, And maybe our culture kind of promotes that way of thinking. So I'm looking forward to learning more about people like John Owen, not because I want to suffer, but it's good to know that that life does move on and needs to move on and there are other things we have to do. Yeah. Good. That's helpful. He got married a second time? I think so. Okay. Hey, Pactum listeners, I just want you to know that we had to hit pause while recording because we weren't sure how many times John Owen was married. Yes. So Mike Grimes looked it up and he found that retroactively Crossway has a top 10 list. They so do. they must have plagiarized us yes. from a time machine. Yep. And their first reason was like one of our reasons. He had a bad very things, difficult, difficult life. life. Yep. Yeah. But we did find and confirm he was married. Two times. Twice. Yes. And uh, he did have a difficult life. Yes. So, but just for clarity's sake, we did not get our top 10 list from them. Yes, we did not. This is a different top 10. Okay. Let's end on number 10. Number 10 is a top 10 reason for liking John Owen, but actually we're going to say it's a reason to maybe not like him. Right. It's something we've already alluded to, and that's the fact that he's really, 
really difficult to read. He is, yes. So we might give you some tips on how to read John Owen, uh, but we are told that it's because of Latin, probably. I've heard it from multiple scholars, and uh, it's just how he thought as an academic. Sure, yeah. So when he writes in English, it has more of that kind of, I don't know, I don't know, Latin. I mean, we've said before, the only Latin we know on the Pactum is what R.C. Sproul's taught us. Right. Well, in reality, (laughs) maybe Richard Muller has a Latin dictionary that I use quite a bit. So I've learned a lot of things from there, but he, it's tough going. So Mike, what, what kind of suggestion would you make for those who are listening who maybe want to read John Owen? Is there something that you found to be helpful in reading some of these older Puritans who have lengthy sentences. You know, I'm not a good reader, and I just, I'll be honest and admit that, but I have to take it slow. That's the best way for me is to take it slow and to sometimes go back. And the next time I start, maybe just go back and peruse, what did I just read about? Refresh the memory. Sometimes with some of these guys, I got to read three, four times over a section before I'm like, wait, I think I'm getting it. I think I'm getting it. So I don't know. Okay. I don't know if that helps other people, but if you're not a great reader like myself, Take it slow. Don't be discouraged. It's okay. All right. Good. Yeah. I, f- I feel like I've been therapized. Well, good. Good. Do you have any suggestions? I, I, I have a couple tips. One would be um, if you buy Owen's work, 16 volumes, um, and you're having a hard time reading them, just get another set. <laughs> so, <laughs> Was this a second because, set easier? <laughs> no, but I have two sets. I have, I have the original one that I purchased, and then the church was kind to give me a leather-bound set. And so yeah. I have... In the conference room, I have a set, and I have another set in my office, and I've found myself to really understand Owen better (laughs) just by sitting closer. You have one in every room. Put it under your pillow at night, and perhaps by osmosis, you will Now you sound like my father. (laughs) Now you sound like my dad. That work's not going to get done by osmosis. And maybe in all seriousness, I do find it helpful to read out loud. Yes. So my dog looks at me very strangely when I read out loud to Ozzy, but it is a good way to go. Why is that? I wonder why that works. You know, that, now that you mention that, it does happen to help. I don't, I don't know. I have no idea, but it really helps. Hmm. I, I also think it's helpful sometimes when people are hard to read, if you can listen to them speak or an audio recording. Mm. And we want you to know that if you find an audio recording of John Owen, yeah. uh, you'll win every prize the Pactum has ever offered. Yes, please let us know. First person to email us at the back. That's right. Original audio recordings. Now, we know you can go on YouTube and you can hear other people read John Owen, but just for clarity's sake, it's not John Owen. No, it's not. So read out loud, um, small sections, uh, but it would be good to read John Owen. There are abridged versions. There are rewritten versions, all that sort of thing. But we would suggest that you taste of the heavenly gift. Of the original. Of the original. Okay. Mike, there are lots of other things I want to say about John Owen right now. I want to talk about which book to start with. I want to talk about how not to read Owen, things like that, different fun facts that would be helpful for those listening to the Pactum. But I want to hold off because we've got probably about three more episodes. Yeah, we'll have episodes. Yes. uh, (laughs) About three more episodes. And I think we can offer some guidance and some fun facts along the way. Yes, we will. Yep. But... What we're looking to do in the days ahead, we will be talking about John Owen and his perspective on the Trinity. Mm-hmm. We're going to talk about John Owen and justification and John Owen and covenant theology. Yeah. So those are some of the topics that are going to be coming, and uh, we're looking forward to engaging Owen as we engage you, the engaged Pactum verse 
listener. <laughs> well, we're thankful for each of you, and you can be engaged. Each and every one of each you. Each and every one of you are several listeners, and you can be engaged with us on Twitter at The Pactum, on Instagram at The Pactum Theology. Again, reminder, you can be sending us your questions, connect at thepactum.org. Complaints go somewhere else. Yes, they do. So thanks for joining us today as we start this Owen series. We'll see you next time on The Pactum. Thank you.